Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversations about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery, to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a new and happier and healthier you. Now, here's your host, Randy Boyd. Hello, and thank you for joining us today for this episode of Healing Courageously. Today we're going to be talking about spirituality again. We're going to probably do this for the next three or four episodes. And today's topic will be spiritual confusion. I know for many, many years I was very, very confused spiritually. So I've got a question I want to ask you all to start with. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if anyone else has been or is currently spiritually confused. And I can imagine there's quite a bit of that out there right now with the way the world is in such a disarray over this coronavirus and our politics and just so much so much di- disinformation out there is it can be very confusing to a lot of people. And especially when it comes to God because a lot of people just don't understand God gives man free will and how can God let this kind of stuff happen. So there's a lot to be confused about. You know, growing up and uh, into much of my adulthood, I was extremely confused spiritually. I mean, very confused spiritually. Often, often what I would ask myself is, did God really exist? And I was physically, sp- physically, spiritually, emotionally, sexually abused as a child. So there's a God, and they were born-again Christian family. My, my father, my stepfather, stepfather was a, was a deacon of the church, Christian. My mom was a member of the choir, and our pastor even knew about it. So... I was very confused. So did God really exist? And was the devil real? And, and, and I could say, yeah, the devil was real. Um, it's obvious he was real, what he was doing to me. And he was actually using my my pastor and my stepfather and mother to, to steer me away from God, believe it or not. Is meditation a form of devil worship? I, my, my, my thing is, no, absolutely not a form of meditation or a form of devil worship, not at all. Meditation is a way to, to, to get it connected with yourself, get connected with, your, with with God at the same time. I mean, I've had many conversations with, with God when I've been in, in a meditative state of mind. Is yoga a form of satanic worship, a, a satanic belief? Was surfing on Sundays after church an act of worshiping the devil? Those last two questions... Is yoga a form of satanic worship and a satanic belief? I, I, I don't think it is. I mean, a lot of people might think it is, but to me it's not. I mean, again, it's, it's a time to relax, to get connected with yourself and get connected with God. A lot happens during a period of, of yoga, and it's just a, it's just a good exercise that, that really helps the body rejuvenate itself. And, you know, the, the last one was surfing on Sundays after church, an act of worshiping the devil. And it, that killed me because I, I love to surf. I surfed almost every day growing up. Then I had to ask myself this question, if God really existed, then how was it I was going to burn in hell for doing things that kept my body, mind, and spirit balanced in a healthy way by being connected with God and the Creator? I I, I, I never could understand that because... Why was I going to burn in hell if I was out there doing stuff that made me feel good about myself? I wasn't taking nothing away from God. 
I was out there enjoying God's creation. God created the ocean. God created the waves. He created all that for us. So I'd go to church on Sundays, and then in the afternoon, we, I, I'd go surfing. I was No way was I worshiping the devil. But in a lot of things I did, I was told by me, probably by the elders of the church, that I was worshiping the devil. So, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it really confused me in, in a lot of ways. Because it wasn't only my mother and my stepfather that was telling me that I was worshiping the devil. It was also the pastor. But yet, my youth pastor and others were either surfing or body surfing after church on Sundays. And my pastor was playing tennis in his own backyard with his own Olympic-sized pool on his own tennis court at his million-dollar home which he did not want his congregation to know he had. So that's the only issue I have with that last one. Have all this stuff. If you worked hard, you, you, you earned it, then get it. There's nothing wrong with it. But why are you hiding it from your congregation? What do you have to hide? See, pastors don't want to be transparent. A lot of them, they want to hide their lifestyle from people. And I, and I don't understand it. You know, be transparent. Let people know that you're a human being. Above all else, you are human. I'm a pastor. I'm human. I have flaws. I have defects. Right? It's my transparency, through my transparency, I should say, that I'm able to help the people that I help. Okay? And let us not forget about one of the youth pastors that was smoking weed all the time. But yet if I smoked it, now, this is back in the 70s, late 60s. If I smoked it, I was worshiping the devil. And when I brought it up to my mother and stepfather, stepfather it's none of your business. Shut up. Wow. Okay. I guess that's a, that's an okay that he can smoke weed all the time. So maybe I should be able to do the same thing. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, for God is not a God of confusion, but a God of peace. A God of peace. My spiritual confusion was the result of the actions of man, not God. I want you, everybody to understand that. Everybody wants to blame God. And God gives man free will. He's not going to interfere. He's a gentleman. That's what I love about God. Okay? So God, if things in your life are chaotic, confusing, upsetting, tormenting, that's not of God. That's not of God at all. If you're in a marriage like that or a relationship like that or a business, that's not of God at all. That's, that's of the enemy. God is of peace, calm, serenity. He's of all those things. But he certainly is not of chaos and confusion. Certainly not of any of that. I know today, but for 35 years, all I saw was what God allowed to happen to me. Why, God? If you're such a, if you're such a, a loving, kind, caring God, why did you take my dad from me when I was 12 years old, take him to, you know, of cancer? Why did you take him out of, this, out of this world when I was only 12 when I needed him the most? And not only that, God, why did you put this evil man in my life as a stepfather that was going to sexually, physically, emotionally, and spiritually abuse me and my mother that was already doing the emotional and spiritual and physical abuse? 
why did you make them such a good team to do that to me? There's often times that the man uses the word of God and twisted it to justify their actions and behavior. Not only towards me, but to many others in their lives. If you think about it this way, the, the rod and the staff, which used all the time with, with me, you're being punished by the rod and the staff. Well, let's see. God is everything or God is nothing, correct? And if God is everything, then the Bible is everything. The Bible is everything or it's nothing. I'm, I've been told over and over that God, the Bible is the word. So let's go to, I think it's in Psalms 23. And it says, thy rod and thy staff shall beat you. Oh, it doesn't say that. Um, thy rod and thy staff shall slap you around. Uh, no, 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 wait, that's not right. Oh, here's what it says. Thy rod and thy staff shall comfort you. Nowhere in there does it say anything about being beat. Nowhere. Show me the Bible where Jesus beats kids. I put that challenge out to a lot of people, and I've yet to see it. If you talk about the rod and the staff, the rod and the staff was used by the sheep herders. The rod was about a three or four foot long piece of wood or metal, and it was used to ward off the, the wolves, the lions, the bear, whatever was coming after a sheep. The staff was used simply to, gra- to reach out and grab a sheep that was wandering off the course by, by, the, by the hook on the staff, bring it back in, or to gently guide the sheep around as he was walking. And then you got the sheep herder that went that left the ninety nine to go after the one. And when he found that lost sheep, he didn't beat him, he didn't do anything to him, but put him over his shoulder, carried him back to the flock, and then they, they at camp that night they celebrated and had a party. So there, there's no beating going on. The rod and the staff are not used to beat people with. Man created it that way. Man's man's made it into one of those things that that's what they do, but it's not true. You know, it's not true. So it's no wonder I was confused. No wonder. You know, it wasn't always in a bad way that they would deceive others. And many others, they appeared to be saints. And that's, that's the truth. They did appear to be saints. And to many others, they were saints. They didn't see the bad part of people. And I knew, I was, I knew I'd fully forgiven my stepfather when he passed away, and I'm reading all these things on Facebook about how wonderful a man he is. My stomach was turning, and I went to a meeting that night, and I, was, I told the guy with 42 years of sobriety, not recovery, it's only sobriety, 42 years. And he says, well, Randy, did you get on Facebook and tell everybody about the animal that he was? Tell him how, what he did to you and what he's doing to other people? And I looked at him, what are you, crazy? Why would I do that? It's not my job. I've already forgiven the man. It's not my job to tell everybody what he did right now. He's got family that's mourning him and friends that are mourning him. It was right then that I knew I'd fully forgiven Jack. And besides that, to all those people, Jack was Jack was a saint. I, I, I'm not going to change that. I, I, won't, I, I, I can't change that. To those people, that's who he is. All right, and that's he's standing before God. He's he made his peace. You know, I don't I don't know if he made peace with God because I know I wasn't the only one he molested. He molested a whole lot of people. Okay, 
You know, I, I learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous that we are to practice our newfound spiritual principles in all our affairs. Practice the principles in all of our affairs. And what that means is that when you you go to church or you're in Alcoholics Anonymous, the meeting, one of the two, and when you're in there, you're acting a certain way. You're acting all nice and friendly to people, high-fiving people, loving on people, being friendly to people, whatever it is. But then when you go home, you're a completely different person, i.e. my mother and stepfather, exactly what they were doing. People know Kathy and I out here in the valley. When you see us, it doesn't matter where you see us, we're the same. You see, we're just like we are in church. What you see in church is, is what you see, period, around the valley. We're, we're not perfect. We are human beings. We have our bad days, but that doesn't mean our bad days becomes other people's bad day. We don't do that. But we do practice the principles in all of our affairs. It's, I think it's absolutely mandatory that people do that. It's, it, it'll get the people to really see the truth about who we are. Either way, you, even if, you, you know, if you're talking one thing, and it's rather, rather it's church or Alcoholics Anonymous, there's people in Alcoholics Anonymous that can talk, talk the big book inside out, upside down, backwards, forward, I mean, round and circle, however you want them to read it, they know it. They walk out the door, and next thing you know, all that goes right out the window. And it also, it also really happens a lot with, with people in church. They're too, they're, 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 they're um, acting too much like a Christian rather than being a Christian. Okay, take that one to school. They're acting too much like a Christian rather than being Christian. I'll be honest with you. And this is from my viewpoint only. These people would speak one way and act another. A lot of people are like that. They speak one way and act another. The people that are not practicing the principles and all their affairs. Matter of fact, whatever principles they might have had were rarely if ever practiced at all other than Many hypocritical words, I would hear them speak. That was it. A lot of hypocritical words. And then as soon as they walked out, it was a whole nother ball game. So I, I just can never understand that. Never, never. I've had this knowing about me for a long time, and it got shut down as a young teenager, and I kept my mouth shut for a long time, but I can't do it no more. I recently wrote a blog. It's called uh, The Narrow Road. And you go to my website on CourageousHealers.org. Go to Randy's blogs. It's called The Narrow Road. And it was a hypocrisy, hypocrisy displayed by the elders of the church and my parents that turned me down the wide road to hell. Now, as an adult, we have to make our own choices, especially as a healthy adult. But as a, a young boy, a teenager, young adult, man, we're just we're just trying to survive. And so, you know, we, we blame a lot of stuff on other people because we don't know there's another way. And that's just the reality of it, okay? But today, it's like I, I turn around, I turn around oftentimes and I look at that other road. I look long and hard at the the road I, I came up because, you know, it can be pretty enticing sometimes, pretty enticing. But then I also look through, I play the tape all the way through and look through the other side of it, what's on the other side of some of that enticement. So it's better to go down the narrow road that very few travel, and I used to travel alone anyways, 
Very few people travel the narrow road and have some struggles in life, but have those struggles result in something far better than I ever could have had when I was out there in the world uh, running and gunning. Okay. Today, I know that everything that happened to me was all part of God's bigger plan for my life. However, for many years, I could not, I could not understand why such a loving God could be so cruel. Now, that's a common thing I hear all the time anymore. My favorite people to work with are those that are struggling with God, believe it or not, because I can... I've been in their shoes. I can walk with them. I can show them, you know, there's a lot of different ways we can look at this to get them to understand. Okay? Um, But then there was a day, I was in a church down in San Diego, Miles McPherson's church, and I opened a book at the bookstore that had had this handwritten in the front of it. It said, it was a scripture, it was Genesis 50-20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many men. You intended to harm me, Jack and Judy, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. After reading the scripture, it all made perfect sense to me. If I had not gone through all that I had in my life, the abuse, the businesses, the failed marriage, the, uh, everything, I would not be able to help the many men and women I have helped today. You see, there's a saying in the big book, when your own house is in order, the, the answers will come. And this is the part I love about it, and this is the part I preach. You cannot transmit something you do not have. And I had some, my, my mentors in AA, they, they wouldn't even go down the road of sexual abuse with me because they knew they couldn't help. Too many well-intended person, well-intended people, try to work with these kind of people and do more damage than harm because they just tell them a lot of things like you just need to get over it, and move on. You didn't drink today, right? Um, that happened a long time ago. Just you know, let it go, let God let go, and it's, it's not that simple. It's a lot of really deep work, and I've seen a lot of people relapse. Matter of fact, my belief is, my belief is this: twofold. One, relapse. So high because, one, they believe in the false gods of the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, not the false gods that, that, that Bill and Bob and our founder and the Alcoholics Anonymous founders believed in. They believed in the Father, the Father Yahweh, the Father, the Creator, God, the Father. That's who they believed in, not these false gods of their, that they're talking about today. So they don't have God, Yahweh in their life. And more critically, they haven't got the, they haven't, they, they haven't got through their unresolved childhood issues yet. It even says in the big book that liquor's but a symptom. It could be liquor, it could be drugs, it could be gambling, it could be whatever. Put put whatever is but a symptom. We must get to the underlying causes and conditions. Top, page 64, top of the big book. I'm paraphrasing it. If they don't do those two things, the chances of staying sober forever are going to be slim and none. Well, they might stay sober, but talk about recovery, it's a whole other ballgame, which we'll do another another time. So, the 
This is, a, this is the spoken and unspoken truth of so many of those that have addiction problems and issues with religion and God. Okay? It is also the truth of many of those that are sitting in church pews today. They show up to church on Sundays with a painted on smile appearing to all of those around them to have a great life. I look good on the outside, so you must be good on the inside. Yeah. They come to church. They're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. They come to church to make themselves feel good again by mowing and watering the grass on their side of the fence. The issue here is that they are likely watering and cut, cutting down only weeds. And the, the reality is we must get out the garden tools and dig up the roots, dig up the roots that keep us returning to our old behaviors and addictions, many of which are only symptoms, symptoms of a deeper underlying issue that includes spiritual abuse. Can't just mow the grass. People come to church and mow the grass. Go to AA meetings and mow the grass, but they're not doing any of the work to get rid of, rid of the bad, deep, the deep issues that are that are uh, rooted in, in their life. It, it just doesn't work that way. They mow the grass. They go home. They have problems. They go back and mow the grass. They, they get tired of it eventually. They just go back to the old way of living. Man, it was a lot easier living, drinking, or doing what I was doing before than doing this. I'm going to church. How come she's still? How come she's still so mad at me? I'm going to church. How come I keep on getting in trouble with the law? Well, what are you doing differently? Okay. The reality is, we must get out our garden tools and dig up the roots that keep us returning to our old behaviors and addictions, many of which are only symptoms of a deeper underlying issue. That includes spiritual abuse. I know I just said that, but I said it again because it's that important to me. Okay? So then what's the solution, Randy? What's the solution? You talked about the problem. What, where, where's the solution? Matthew seven eleven. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask them? So one more one more thing on the on the sadness that scripture right there speaks volumes but when i look at my own life uh, well i'll just tell you when i when i when i read the verse and when i tied this when i tied this into my topic i thought well my mother and stepfather gave me plenty of materialistic gifts which is always nice and does make life more enjoyable However, their motives were, were, were not pure. Their motives were to buy back my love of the abuse they inflicted on me. That's all it was. Growing up, I had more, more gifts in Chris, at Christmas time than any kid probably should have. You know, it was, just wasn't fair. Just wasn't fair. Their motives were to buy back my love, all for the abuse they inflicted on me. Buy back my love for all the abuse they inflicted on me. Like I say, those gifts are nice, but they fade away. The scars of abuse last a lifetime. For someone that has not been abused, this might be really hard to understand. The abuse and the effects it had on me and so many other victims stay with us for a lifetime. 
the materialistic gifts and their memories, on the other hand, they fade very quickly. So think about it. You know, everything changes. Everything changes. Nothing lasts forever. You got that, you know, I, I, half the materialistic gifts I, I, I got, I don't even, I mean, scuba gear. I, don't, I have no idea where that scuba gear is even at. It's been gone for so long. A lot of different things. There's no power greater than that of unconditional love, compassion, forgiveness, and grace. Sure, there were good times in my teenage and young adult years. Absolutely there was. It wasn't all bad. But most of those, however, were times when I was alone surfing or walking with my dog in the undisturbed hills of Dana Point in San Juan Capistrano. Hmm? So what we got to do is we have to treat our kids. We got to treat our kids with love and compassion and understanding instead of beating them down verbally. Okay? Matthew 18.6 If anyone should cause one of these little ones to lose his faith in me, this is very critical. I want, I want parents, fathers, I want you to hear this. You need to hear this and hear it loud and clear. If anyone should cause one of these little ones to lose his faith in me, it would be better for the person to have a large millstone tied around his neck and be drowned in the deep sea. The commentary I read about this, Jesus is saying you'd be better off dead than causing one of my little ones to lose faith. And how does that happen? It happened on my part. Every time I got beat, every time I was sexually abused, every time I was told I was an idiot, I just kept on falling and falling and falling. I was, ne- I was never, and I know that's a big word, but I was never built, built, built up. There's ways to talk to our children when they mess up. They're going to mess up. They are children. There's ways we can talk to them where we bring them back up slowly. I'm not saying we condone bad behavior, but why, where do they get the bad behavior? Where do they develop those patterns at? Okay? I mean, it, it's no fault of the parent because it's just handed down through the generations of behavior. But we have to treat our children with love, kindness, and understanding, even in disciplinary actions. When, a, when abuse occurs, whether it's emotional, physical, spiritual, or sexual, in the family whether it is your nuclear family or church family, especially abuse involving a male authority figure such as a father, stepfather, guardian, or pastor, a deeply profound hurt can be unleashed in a young person's life. And it doesn't go away overnight. In fact, for a lot of us, it can last a lifetime until we can actually get the courage to get help. And we start talking about this and get some guidance and mentorship to to bring us back into the reality that we're not worthless human beings, that we're loved children of God. There's nothing wrong with us. And oftentimes, unbeknownst to the parents, they inflict this kind of belief on their children. 
So parents need to get educated in the way they talk to children. Is the devil real? Yeah, the devil's real. He's unleashing hell all over this earth with children and parents. It's not only a profound hurt, but confusion, anger, dysfunction with others, self-destructive, and distrust of people and God can also be unleashed. It happened to me. You think you're doing good, you got a good job, you're working, you're partying, you just think it's part of what life is all about, get married, have a family, and then one day something, you wake up and something profound happens to you and you can't figure out why. You can't figure out why you might be collapsing in the shower sobbing. What's wrong with me? You can't, you, can't, you can't understand why you're drinking more than you've ever drank before. Nothing in life's changed. You can't understand why all of a sudden your children are just doing nothing but irritating. And your wife is, every time she looks at you cross-eyed, you, you, just, you, you just don't want to be with her. You, you can't understand this. It all is a, is a result of abuse. And we have the power within us, with God, with God, to get through it all. See, it's important that as, as, as survivors, that the thing, or, you know, or even let's just talk about in, in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. In the big book of AA, it says that on top of page 64 that we must get to the end of our life. Liquor's but a symptom. Liquor's but a symptom. And you can take liquor out and put drugs, you can put over gambling, overeat, whatever you want to put in there is a symptom. We must get to the underlying causes and conditions. My firm belief is this. People such a high rate of relapse in AA and NA because of two things. They're believing these false gods in the rooms of AA, not the gods that Bill and Bob brought into AA when they developed. God, God Yahweh, God the Father, God the Creator. Okay, That's the God they're talking about. A God of your understanding, that's a whole other subject. Okay, it's not understanding that a tree is my God. That God will never come into your life. So it's because they haven't got the right God in their life and they haven't resolved their unresolved childhood traumas. If those two things would happen in an A, I think it would be a lot more successful. And I know I probably just pissed a lot of people off, but that's okay. I'd rather, I'd rather do that than not say nothing at all and have to answer to God why I didn't tell anybody the truth. You know, there's another little-known fact that we have a strong tendency to view God the same way we, we view our earthly father. Many men and women have expressed this to me. I mean, the correlation between God and heaven and God, our, and, 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 and God our Father in heaven and our Father here on earth plays a huge role. When abuse happens, especially by a male authority figure, the intended role model of a father and God, one of these young ones to, to see is shattered. When abuse happens, especially by a male authority figure, the intended role model of a father that God wanted these young ones to see is shattered, skewed, and becomes confusing. Just think about that for a little bit. Chew on that one. So what does God the Father really look like? Not physically. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, Paul tells us that what love is. And this is what a father should be to our child. Love is patient. Love is kind. And a mother should be to our child. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Always protects. In my opinion, this is exactly how God our Father treats us and exactly what a loving earthly father should be uh, mirroring to their children. It's right there. It's all laid out. Yet, unfortunately, for generations, not all families, I understand that, you know, not all families are this way, but abuse has become the norm and handed down from generation to generation, creating millions of wounded men and women. To prove my point, how our image of our godly Father is so often related directly to our heavenly Father, to our earthly Father, this is what I have, what I have heard over and over again. Proverbs 25:26. Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Like a muddied spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. So Randy, so you're telling me that you want me to believe and trust in this God that you are talking about? This God that is somewhere out in the universe? You're telling me this God I cannot see or talk to is going to love me unconditionally? Forgive me of all my wrongdoings and meet all of my needs and then some? Right. Right. Do you expect me to believe that when my earthly father, the father that is right here in my presence, the father that I can talk to, the father that abused me, called me names, put me down, belittled me, and made me feel less than a man, couldn't fulfill those needs? That's pretty hard for me to grasp, Randy. Parents doing the same as well, twisting and skewing scripture to justify their abusive actions on their children. I believe the solution to spiritual abuse at all levels, rather from the church of parents, rather from the church or parents lies in the instructions given to us by Paul again in first Corinthians thirteen, four seventeen. I hear what I just read to you about God and Dad here on earth over and over again. You need to be aware of it. It's a real problem. I've got, I've got, a, a, I've got a paper written by some pastors on it in my, in my office. And it really concerns me. It really concerns me. The devil does use parents to sway his kids, sway, to, sway, to sway their kids away from them. And he definitely did that with my mom and my stepfather. He swayed me for 38 years. So again, 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always 
protects, always trusts, always pulls, always perseveres, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. They're all important, but man, you need to protect your children. I'm not saying that all of us, regardless of age, do not need to be disciplined. There is a difference between discipline and punishment. Because we do need to be disciplined. However, that's a topic for another day. As I leave you, remember this by John Lee on the subject of of, uh, discipline and punishment. Punishment is after the fact. Discipline is before the fact and teaches us healthy choice-making. Punishment is after the fact Discipline is before the fact and teaches healthy choice-making. Thanks for joining me today, everybody. Hey, before I leave, I want to let you know that you can get my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon. It's got I got it there in three formats, paperback, Kindle, and on Audible. Please check it out. It's got a lot of really good information on it. It's a book about hope and healing from all forms of abuse. Um, you can also get my devotion on my 30 Days to Wholeness and my workbook, 7-Day Challenge. You can also get all these on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and you can uh, you can get them all there. Do me a favor. Please visit my CourageousHealers.org website and ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com website. The Courageous Healers is our foundation. The Change Your Life Story Now is our life coaching. If you're interested in life coaching, just fill out the contact form and, and send it off to me, and then I'll, re- I'll get back to you really quick on that, okay? We work with everything from marriage to uh, spiritual and everything in between. My wife and I are SIMBA certified, or I'm SIMBA certified. She works with me. Uh, There's a lot of really good things that are out there to help people. So I just want to pass that along. And be sure, please, to describe and like my uh, iTunes and Google channels as well as my YouTube channel. All right? So thanks again. I'll see you guys next on the next episode. It'll be uh, on spiritual abuse. And remember this. If nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. More importantly, God does. Everybody be blessed today. I love you all. Thanks for being here. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>